Welcome to the ADB Moto Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Slayball, and this is our second ever episode of the podcast, and it's jam-packed with awesome guests and topics. We're going to get started off by talking about weekend warriors. What is a weekend warrior with special guest Anna Backlund? And then we're going to hear a writer story from Eric Hall from XL ADV. He's going to talk about uh, some of his adventures riding down in Baja, California. And then we're going to talk comms with David Cuck of Uclear Digital. And we're going to wrap it up by giving you a preview of what's coming up in the September-October issue. Let's go. So we're going to talk about the Weekend Warrior today. And I'm joined with us again by uh, Justin and Kira, co-managing editors of ADB Moto Magazine. And... Our special guest, Anna Backlund. Welcome, everybody. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello again. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. This is like, I, I like that the our chats are growing. It's like the, the more the merrier uh, kind of style. So, um, yeah, so let's just start off about, um, we'll start with Anna. What does, when someone says weekend warrior, uh, what does that conjure up in, in your mind's eye? For me, I think it means somebody that's got to cram riding or adventure, whatever it might be, into two days. So my days are Saturday and Sunday, and then I work. Uh, I have a normal job. I work, you know, 7 to 3.30, Monday through Friday, and can only ride on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. And you do a Just lot of it. Yeah, how about you guys? <laughs> Well, we don't we don't have a normal job, so it. I agree with her in the sense that like it has to be, you know, when you have like two days off, you want to take advantage of it and yeah. go do the things you've been thinking about doing all week long. Well, not everybody has like the time and the space to go on some like long distance multi week trip, and you know, it doesn't mean that you don't get to ride. It just means that you get to find like your local haunts and you know get literally get in as many miles as possible and then make it back to your doorstep before you have to go to work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm in a situation where like I have two kids, you know, and so, you know, during the weekdays, it's usually it's a very regimented schedule. You know, the, the kids are on a schedule. They have to get their baths on certain, you know, times and they go to sleep at certain times and they, you know, even poop at certain times usually, but, squeezing a ride in there is is challenging you know and, and like for example just this past week we had uh went on a camping trip that we had planned and um one of the things and i've always heard other people do this and i was like oh, it seems kind of silly why wouldn't you travel with your family but you know my uh, wife and kids, they went in the car and, um, it, you know, it was a couple hours from our house and, and I rode the bike, you know, and, and got to have some helmet time and, you know, just be away from all the noise and, and ride up there. And that was like, you take kind of one of those things where I think you become an opportunist where you like take advantage of every opportunity that comes up to ride, you know? Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Especially two at home. Yeah. That's yeah. why I picture having like a real job. It's like you're constantly busy and then you finally have like two seconds to yourself and you're like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, Anna, we, we've been following what you do on social for a while now. And I mean, it, I don't think I've ever seen a weekend where you don't go and ride. So like, oh, um, I don't <laughs> I ride 52 weeks a year, rain, shine, snow. Um, it's at least one day, if not two, sometimes two and a half, if I can get off early on a Friday. Um, but I also have other hobbies as well, and I kind of just oh. jam that into the weekend warrior thing as well. So, What else do you like to do? Um, I've tried snow biking. I tried whitewater kayaking for the first time this weekend. Um, I've started downhill mountain biking, which is, oh my God, it's so much fun. That seems ridiculous. Yeah, and then I ride dirt bike and ADV bike and street bike. There's not enough time, and even in a, a, if I didn't work, there still wouldn't be enough time. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. 
What do you have in your garage? Uh, like my bikes? Yeah. Uh, I've got a 350 EXCF, I've got a 690 Enduro, and I've got a Triumph Daytona 675. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a full garage right here is a picture of boyfriend's snow bike. and. Yeah, the snow cool. bike. Oh, Jess has been wanting to do that forever. Yeah, I've only, I've only had the opportunity to ride a snow bike once, and it, I, it's, not a, it's not easy. It is not an easy... Yeah, like it's not an easy activity. I was very surprised. I thought it would be like, it, oh yeah, it's on a sled, whatever. It's a, it's a dirt bike with a tractor, but <laughs> yeah. no, no, not easy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For context, yeah. you're in Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of on the border of Washington, Oregon. So I spend a lot of time in those two states, but it's not uncommon for me to travel up to nine, ten hours to go ride somewhere for the weekend. That's nice. awesome. That's serious <laughs> week warrior stuff right there. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. Yeah. What, what's, a, what's a common location for you to go ride on the weekends? Like what's your most, where do you ride the most? Like Gifford or? So, you guys are oh. not gonna like it. I don't believe in geotaking. I will never tell you where I'm at. Um, ah. I don't believe in drawing attention to an area that maybe can't handle the influx. You know, if, if I put it out there, everyone's going to want to go do it. And I've seen the trails deteriorate and get hammered from overexposure. Yeah. So what I encourage everybody to do is dig in, grab a map, take a look at what's around you, you know, look at the motor vehicle use maps and go explore. That's, that's the best part. You feel like Lewis and Clark, if you, just go explore. Yeah. 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 And there's a Definitely lot to agreed. explore out where you are. I, I mean, I spent most of my life surfing and I, I feel the same way about telling people where I spent most of my life surfing in the Northwest. And so I feel very oh. similar about telling people oh, yeah. where to surf up there or the, or the fact that I won't tell anyone where to surf yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like if people private message me, um, if I know that they're going to help with maintenance, if I know that, you know, they're, they're going to recreate responsibly, like I'm happy to sh give them some pointers, point them in the right direction for a good ride. Um, yeah. But that that's kind of where I'm at with it. But yeah, I spend a lot of time in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> uh, riding. There's a lot out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so touching on that, on the, you mentioned uh, geotagging, Anna, and uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was, was technology and the weekend warrior and how that's kind of changed it. You know, I mean, just I'm thinking of like on personal examples, you know, we're so saturated with information and emails nowadays. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, I, you talk about like guarding your time and like finding, you know, finding those hours that you can get away or day, you know, days that you can get away. Um, yeah, I don't know what what role just like off the top of your head would you say that t technology has played in kind of your your uh, weekend warrior lifestyle? Um, I mean, technology has hurt some of my adventures. The places that I used to love going are um, very very busy due to being advertised. Um, but technology has also made things easier for me, right? Like I can go out on the the U.S. Forest Service website and pull up the motor vehicle use map. I don't have to go to the ranger station and talk to them. I can pull up their website, see, oh, there's a fire ban, and here's the trail map. And um, so in, in that regard, technology has been fantastic, really, really yeah. helpful. Do you go analog and do like paper maps and, and kind of like go by rumor, or do you use GPS at all or any sort of navigational apps? I'm not saying what you use, but like, <laughs> and, and that's, so I'm kind of, I guess I'm old school. Like I look at paper maps and the motor vehicle use maps for, you know, BLM, the DNR, state land, uh, federal land. And like, I study it and I study the topography. Um, it's rare that I use like somebody's GPX tracks. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in buying somebody else's adventure. I'm going to go have my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So I, I geek out. Like I honestly, I probably spend four to six hours a week researching my my route, the trails I want to take, getting on Google Earth, checking out if there's any washouts. Like, it's, <laughs> I love that. I know not everybody loves that, but I really love that. I think that's like the the treasure map of our time, or at least for the adventure motorcyclists. Like, it's getting yeah. to you know, count the paces, find those like tiny roadways and these offshoots. I know Justin used to do that with surfing is like he'd check Google Earth or Google Maps and like look at the satellite view and just be like, OK, there's a picture of a break right here. Let's see if we can find a way into that. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of a lot of dead weekends. It's different. I always tell people the difference between motorcycles and surfing, though, is that your motorcycle, for the most part, you always get to ride it, whereas your surfing you you may or may not get to ride it no so and so we ride motorcycles yeah motorcycles <laughs> seem to be a little more uh a little more practical yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was yeah I, I like that plan the planning aspect is exciting i know i there was a um i've used the the river app in the past and they were uh, had their butler maps uh synced with you know it was embedded in the map which was really cool because you could say okay i have like you know, three hours today or six hours today. And it's like, let's pick a yellow, you know, road on Butler maps that I've never ridden before. And, um, and I like that aspect of it. Cause it's like, you know, oftentimes there's so much more riding within a hundred miles of you than, than you realize, you know? And, and, uh, so that exploration factor is, is fun. Kind of like picking a direction. And that's another thing with technology. I mean, you can get lost nowadays and pretty much get yourself out of almost any situation, you know, if, if you want to, you know, if you wanted to, it's, it's there. And another aspect of it too, I think is the, you know, for when, you know, you're out and about and you have somebody who cares about you back home, you know, they have GPS trackers now that can send uh, text messages or pings or whatever via satellite, you know, which is, it's a nice peace of mind, you know, when you have someone who's, who's worried about you back, uh, you know, back. Yeah. When you got two kids and your wife at home. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My mom worries about me all the time and I don't have one of those spot trackers and it's not uncommon for me to go do an ADV ride by myself. Um, but she probably worries the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. My mom is super indifferent. Have you have you ever had any rides that that went longer than you anticipated? Like did you get like getting lost and being stuck overnight, that sort of thing? I've never been stuck overnight. I've been stuck, you know, out until twelve, one o'clock in the morning and but those times I've been with a partner, so it hasn't been terrible, but there's been times where I've encountered snow on an ADV ride and like I can't turn around I'm not going to make it to the gas station so I either plow through or yeah. I run out of gas in the middle of the woods yeah I guess so you then you do sleep there yeah. <laughs> interesting yeah so I think that, that technology for safety purposes is huge yeah I agree with that yeah. too I yeah, think it makes I'm, it more accessible for people who would otherwise be slightly hesitant yeah, and there's good reason to be. So it's like I think that gives people a little bit more access. That's that whole you know plan ahead thing. Plan ahead, plan for the worst case scenario. Hopefully you never have to use your tracker. Hopefully you never have to push the magic button. Um, but I also think adventure doesn't have to be like way out in the woods doing the gnarliest of the gnar. It oh, can yeah. just be a cruise, you know, down the coast. That's adventure as long as you're having fun and exploring and I think that's a venture. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's a subjective thing and I think a lot of people um downplay other people's adventures, you know, because oh, that's that's not to me that's not an adventure. Well, then for you it it wouldn't have been an adventure you go do something else. But well, and that goes back to the idea that you only have a couple of days to do it. So Yeah. You know, I mean, for most people that have a job, you know, you you can't just take off for 6 weeks and go somewhere and do something you have no. to you have to kind of moderate your time a little bit better so we have a friend in up there in the northwest actually on the olympic peninsula who oh, yeah. spends a great deal of his time just wandering forest service roads and old logging roads and you, you name it and he's sort of mentally mapped them all out in his head i don't he he's also like you he doesn't use a gps i don't oh, even think I he mean, knows he just literally just 
rides out. He's lived there his whole life. Yeah. So he and his brother just like leave their property and then just they've heard of something. They found these trails when they were kids and then they just go deeper and deeper and deeper each time. But they only have a couple of days at a time. They've both got normal normal and gigs kids. and kids. So <laughs> you got to. So yeah. I don't I don't have kids. I don't really have a whole lot of responsibility. Um, we live in a 650 square foot apartment attached to a shop. So there's no cleaning, there's no maintenance, there's no nothing. We can just up and go. Yeah. Um, the one GPS thing I do use is a Trail Tech Voyager Pro. And I use, the way I use it, I don't use it to find my route, I use it to get out. Yeah. Um, so it leaves my trail in and then I can follow the same trail out if I get turned around. Yeah. Yeah, red, we red use guns. that too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but like you said, I think adventure is subjective, and everybody is so stoked on the round the world thing and living nomadically and having these cool remote jobs, and it's not doable for all of us. No, it, it's I mean it's great to think about. It's like yeah, a it's nice true. daydream, but uh -huh. like I think people end up not doing a thing because they're. They think that there's only one way to do it, and then they're too intimidated, or it's not it's not approachable for them. So then they just do nothing, and that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, not, well, we've don't have definitely. The right bike. Yeah. yeah. Oh that's, god, that's, that's a whole nother segment. That's a whole other one. <laughs> I, know, I know. That's another yeah. episode. <laughs> well, we, we you know we've talked about at length, Nathan. We've talked about the idea that like sometimes you know being nomadic, like you were saying, Anna, is it's it's wonderful right up until the point that you kind of quit moving and then you're just homeless yeah. and <laughs> that's us by the way that's what we've done yeah that's, a what, lot. that's what's happened to us a number of times and <laughs> i'm definitely envious of, of the weekend warrior thing to to a degree because there is structure to both your your weekdays and your weekends whatever those might be whether it's a monday tuesday or if it's a you know a normal traditional weekend and actually it's it's pragmatic and effective because all right you're nailing down like these segments of play or these like sections of places that okay i've been here so i'm going to try here next time and i'm i've kind of gone this direction so now i can go that direction and like some people don't have to use that but it, you at least then know like i've already been here and i can go 20 miles so this is where i'm going to go next yeah. wandering aimlessly it's aimless i guess so who do you who do you do you ride with typically your significant other your friends do you ride like with a big group is it like how does that work for you like on a, on a normal weekend on a normal weekend like i've got a very small group um you really need to trust who you're riding with you need to know that they have your back they need to understand how you ride you know kind of the, the etiquette of how you ride um you need to be able to trust them. So I've got a, a small clique. Um, I mainly ride with my boyfriend. Uh, he rides, he's been riding dirt bikes for 30 years. Um, but he's also gotten into the ADV riding and camping off the bike. Uh, he just bought a 1290 Super Adventure. So we're having lots of fun with that. Um, and then I've got a girlfriend that I really, really enjoy with riding in Oregon area. Um, she's a mountain biker turned moto. And it's really fun to hobby switch with her. Um, yeah. Yeah, so small groups. I've got, you know, I ride with the group that I do trail maintenance with fairly regularly up in Washington. Um, That's cool. I ride occasionally with my mom. I taught her how to ride a couple years ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, learning at 56. That's very cool. That is cool. So anybody can do it. Yeah. What? Oh, I said it's inspiring. Yeah. You know, and she broke her arm, her second ride out ever, shattered her forearm, and was just bummed that she couldn't finish the season riding. <laughs> and she got back on the bike and is still riding. And she just took her bike back. I'd been keeping it for her. And she's out riding at my dad's friend's property and scooting her around. She's been on quad trails and dirt roads. Her first ride out, she did 150 miles on gravel and dirt. 
Wow. wow. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. So weekend warriors, old, young, it doesn't matter. Just as long as you're enjoying life and enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. What What do you think? Uh, what do you guys? This is to everybody. Like, what do you think the perception is in the industry? You know, because I feel like there's not. I don't know. I mean, you look at the marketing, and uh, you know, of, of motorcycles right now, and it it feels. I don't know what's the right way to put it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it acknowledges the weekend warrior ADV segment. Does that make sense? Like they're really trying to speak to like, go and pursue your dreams and drop everything and go around the world. Or, you know, I mean, the other stuff is just the, the on-road, like either ride a sport bike or ride a cruiser and maybe go to Starbucks. It's the other perception of the ADV motorcyclist. <laughs> I think it's, I, I feel like the marketing is like souping up your bike, you know, to the max and then never riding it anywhere, you know, rather oh, yeah. than finding a bike that you love and just riding it everywhere as much as you possibly can when you can sneak away, you know, it's, I don't know. I would love to see more, more marketing around that, you know, and showing the romance of that uh, personally, but I don't know. What do you guys feel? So I feel like it there's with motorcycles, off-road motorcycles right now, it's either targeting the hard enduro bros who, and yeah. like, you have to get this bike so you can ride the gnarliest to the gnar or whatever. That's not a majority of us. I mean, I dirt bike, I tackle tough trails, but I'm not Jarvis. Most of us aren't <laughs> Jarvis. Um, and I also, you know, I'm not buying a 1250 GSA and tricking it out and, and doing wheelies like Chris Birch either. I don't know. It, it's too no extreme. <laughs> It, it like you said, you know, it doesn't target the the middle. The average person. And the majority of us are in the middle. What do you think, Kira? Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. It, especially, I'm someone who's like, on average, or quite be, quite below average in size and height. So things aren't accessible to me already <laughs> in regards to like, especially the ADV community and market. Um, but, you know, it really does. It's like they try to advertise to the persona you think you'd like to be. But reality is that they don't really tell you the practical use of the machines that they have. And so, again, I think it circles back to that, that too high expectations and then the lack of approachability. And so people think that they can't use their KTM to just like go jam on some trails or if they're not riding like a badass that they'll be looked at differently maybe, or they won't, you know, like they're, that they're any less than the adventure that, that we would see them as people like us or just like stoked that they're actually going and getting it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the marketing ploys that that are being implemented now are very are very telling of of a of a time when like an overconsumption of of content is the norm. Like people, you know, you you browse past those those wheelie videos and and all that stuff. You're just like, whatever, another dope wheelie, another drifting Harley Davidson, like whatever, whatever. Like when, when we're at, when we're so jaded about that stuff, it's like, I think we've, I think, we've seen I think we've seen enough of it. We need to maybe go back to a little bit more, you know, common sense advertising. Like, Hey, this is a really good bike. If you just want to like, I don't know, take a week long trip to visit your, your aunt and uncle in wherever, and it would get you there and it'll get you back and you can have fun along the way. Yeah. But you know, pragmatism doesn't sell not very well, at least it sells Volvos. A V Strom and you know go up to Alaska. It has to be the fanciest of the fancy big bikes. Can't be something yeah. just that you can afford and make it happen. Yeah, and that should be you never make it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I kind of want to leave. We're uh, wrapping up our segment here. What, let's uh, leave people with some tips on. Um, like how to become a, a better weekend warrior. I, um, one, for, for me at least, one that has come to mind is uh, setting aside a time to ride because I am guilty of this myself that if I don't 
say, you know, I'm going to leave by this, you know, on, you know, Friday night or Saturday morning at this time, there's like 10 other things to do around the house that will come up and it's like, Oh, I got to do this thing or whatever. And so, um, I find like setting aside and making time, you know, is it will contribute to your status, your weekend warrior satisfaction, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. And making it easier, have, have a bug out stash, right? So like for camping, I have a camping tote. I can be gone in five minutes for the weekend. I have everything I need to camp in that tote. I can load my bike in five minutes. I can bug out super fast. Um, setting yourself up for success is huge. Prepping ahead of time, being organized. You know, when you get home, put all your stuff away. Clean it and put it away so that it's easy to grab the next time you want to go. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I, I also I think that what you were talking about with, you know, kind of diving into maps and, you know, BLM oh, yeah. information like that. Ahead of time. That always for me, uh, when I whether it's motorcycles or surfing or anything, I, I probably overthink the stuff only because I like, I, I want to know all the information. And I, so I build like a little plan in my head and then um, whether it happens or not, it doesn't matter, but at least I, it gets me excited throughout the week to go do that. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I want to see where this goes and that looks like a cool area and maybe there's this. And if I have all that sort of plotted out, even if I only get to a third of it, at least I'm like stoked all week long, like ready to go. That's my tip. Yeah. Pro tip. I don't know if ours counts together. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost we're almost out, so I don't want to waste time. Mine would be make sure your bike runs uh, good all yeah. the time. <laughs> oh, dude, I blew out both Fort Seals this weekend out of state, nine hours away. Make That's sure you do your maintenance and bring yeah. supplies. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Gaff tape. Gaff tape goes a long way. Yeah. yeah no <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for being part of this and uh, coming on the podcast. Um, if people want to find you. Um, you had mentioned social. Where, where can they find you on the internet if they want to see some of your? Because you have amazing photography, by the way, your pictures, and it always it makes me want to get out because you've done some rides in my neck of the woods here in the inland northwest in over in Idaho, and um, and it's it's just it's a beautiful area of the country, and and seeing your pictures always inspires me. So where can people find you online? Yeah, uh, on Instagram at Anna Backland. Pretty simple. Uh, funny thing about photography, 95% of it is iPhone shot. So I'm a weekend warrior. I have a fancy camera. I have a phone. I pull it out of my pocket. I take a picture. That's it. The best camera is the one in your hand. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah, this was fun, guys. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah. This is awesome. Have you. All right, take care. Thanks. Thank you. So in our last episode, episode one, we heard from Matt Wilson about um, his and his wife Brady's adventures down uh, on their way to uh, Ushuaia and Terra del Fuego and how sometimes the unexpected uh, brings the best adventures. This week we're going to hear from Eric Hall and he's going to tell us about some of his uh, unexpected adventures in Baja. So I'm here with... Uh, Eric Hall, senior editor at XLADV.com, and uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thanks, Dana. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you. So, in this segment, um, as your listeners know, we've been talking, listening to stories about rides or just like it could be best or worst any time that you've been out, you know, on an ADV ride. And um, Eric has a pretty incredible story. Um, that takes place uh, just south of the border uh, here in the United States. Um, tell us a little about a little bit about what happened. Okay, so <laughs> this is a good story. You know, it's a good story for so many reasons. Um, one, it was my first time to Baja, and uh, I was definitely a noob, and uh, I didn't really know how to ride as well as I do now. And um, so, you know, everything was tough, and I think I lost like 10 pounds that week just because I was working so hard on the bike 
because I, you know, I didn't know how to ride. <laughs> um, and I was so exhausted, but, um, also it's just, uh, you know, I've been down to Baja so many times now I can't even count. I've, I've had the pleasure of, of racing, you know, the Baja rally, um, couple years ago three years ago now uh, october will be three years and then the sonora rally on the mainland but um so it really kicked off like a long line of some really amazing adventures um but yeah i went down there with like 10 other guys and uh we broke up into kind of like an a and b group pretty quickly because i was pretty much the only one on a big bike and uh, there was another guy uh, mark Forwalter, who's from northern cal and uh he kind of tagged along with me he didn't want kind of the gnarly single track experience and he was more up for you know the more you know gravel road and, and easy type of two track that um we had for for myself and the big bikes and uh so we were we were paired up and you know i, I think it was like day day four maybe um we've gone down from the border through Takati and down over to Mike Sky Rancho and down to uh, Alfonsina's at uh, Gonzaga Bay, then over to Catavina. And um, yeah, so the next day we made it our way up from Catavina up to El Rosario. And we got in to El Rosario probably about 4.30, pretty early. And uh, we were eating lunch or dinner at Mama Espinosa's really famous restaurant there. And uh, one of the only places Wi-Fi. <laughs> And uh, I was so incredibly exhausted and dehydrated that um, at that point, like right when I was done with my dinner, I looked over in the corner and I said to Mark, I said, you know, I could literally just like go curl up in that corner and go to sleep right now. And uh, he goes, yeah, we better go, go back to the hotel. So we walked back to the, the Cactus Inn, I think it's called. And um, I took a shower and I filled up my hydration pack with some bottled water and uh i got into bed like 6 p.m and just started drinking water fell asleep i slept for for 12 hours <laughs> the next day um so yeah i was just i was exhausted and um dehydrated and all that anyways so that day that's that was the big adventure that that next day i think it was day four or five and um we actually um mark and i we backtrack a little bit f further south along the highway and then took this road out west to the coast and then started coming up the, the coast back to El Rosario. And we went past this. I remember we went past this garbage dump. And um, I think I was in front. Mark was pretty close behind. But pretty quickly, he kind of disappeared from sight. And here's one of those lessons that we always learn, which is, um, you know, the importance of keeping your, your buddies um, in your rearview mirror um, at least every now and then, right? And, yeah. but you know how it's, it's wide open spaces and we're covering so much distance. And we'd already been riding four or five days. You know how this guy rides. So, you know, I got a, a, probably a little too far in front. And so I just stopped, you know, and I waited. Um, but then I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited. So I waited like 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, you know, something's not right. I better turn around and go back and see what's going on. He probably just got a flat, you know, chances are when, when you, when you hear hoofbeats, it's, uh, his horses and not zebras, right? Yeah. So I turn around and I go back and um, and all of a sudden I see this pickup truck coming towards me and I'm like, oh, well, okay, it's a pickup truck, no big deal. But I look in the passenger side and it looks like Mark, he's sitting in the passenger side and I look through the cab and I can see what looks like his bike in the back. I'm like, oh my God, what happened? So I, the, the truck pulls up and I, I like stop, like motion is, Hey, stop. And the guy, the driver and his little nephew with him, I'd recognized the night before from mom Espinosa's really uh, nice uh, guy and his, his nephew. And they say in Spanish that, Hey, your friend here got hit by a truck and uh, he got knocked unconscious. And I picked him up and I'm helping him with his bike to go back to town. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what happened? So I wow. talked to Mark, and Mark was a little out of it. He didn't remember much, you know, kind of short-term memory loss. <laughs> so, like, yeah. oh, no. so we went back to El Rosario. We unloaded his bike, and uh, they took us to, like, kind of a shade tree mechanic, and um, we set to work on his bike. Uh, the front wheel was kind of tacoed. It was like a Honda, I think it was like a 450, actually. 
um, like CRF 450L or something like that. Or actually, the L didn't exist. Okay. The 450L is new. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's just crazy. I'm like, Mark, what happened? He goes, well, he goes, near as I can tell, I came around a corner and I was hugging the inside line and a, another truck was coming the other way. And he slammed on his brakes. I slammed on mine. And I hit the front of his truck pretty hard enough to damage, like, the, the grill. He kind of had one of those cattle guard things. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. And he, I think he cracked a rib and stuff. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> like, what can we do? He's like, no, I just, I'm fine. I just need some water. I just need to rest. So we spent, like, the rest of the day trying to fix his bike. And we realized we needed a wheel. So we got the guy on the phone in Spanish to call around and, he called up to this bike shop up in um, San Quintin about an hour north, and uh, they had an extra wheel, a Honda wheel. You know, Hondas are really popular in Baja. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I put them on the, on the back of my bike, and we rode two up up to San Quintin and, uh, to get this wheel and then back to El Rosario to put it on. And this shade tree mechanic helped us. Such a, such nice people down there. It's just uh amazing you know to see that you're like why are these people so nice and then you realize like it's not just that one guy like we kept you know when you go to Baja you just meet people like that everywhere you turn because just that's that's how they are everyone down there is just really really good people and so that was that was really special to you know be in need and be vulnerable and um, to just have you know, regular people stop and, and be so willing to help help you out. It was really astonishing, and um, we ended our um, we ended our day. We, we ended up, you know, getting back on the road from El Rosario North. We just took the highway directly. We skipped the, the rest of the dirt that day. We ended up in uh, Pirates Cove in Colonet. It's this hotel on the coast, and uh, we finally uh, met up with our our riding mates and like, oh my gosh, where were you? <laughs> we were so worried. We had no idea where you were. And we told him the story and, you know, we had some beers and, you know, I had my Dos Equis and I got my really cool picture at the uh, Pirates um, Pirates Cove Hotel holding my Dos Equis looking like the most interesting man in the world. Nice. <laughs> it was just it was just a uh, an amazing story of, of one of those, you know, really long days. And, you know, how, how many how many weekend warrior trips have you had that ended up like that with, you know, just switch the names, switch the injuries, uh, but still add in the dehydration and the hunger and the angry and all that, you know, we've, we've all seen it a hundred times, but you know, that's what I really like about what I do. Um, what we do in adventure bikes, you know, I always say there's three things I like just riding a bike is fun, especially off road. The places you get to see are amazing places. Most people never get to see. And then thirdly, the people that you meet riding, either the ones you're riding with or the people that you meet along the way are really exceptional type of people that you're never going to meet in your everyday uh, course of life. And, um, you know, that's very enriching. It makes makes things a lot more (laughs) more interesting. But that's, you know, what they say, that that cliche, you know, it's, it's all part of the adventure. You know, that's what you look back on, those moments of adversity. And, uh, and trials is really kind of what made, what made the trip, you know? Yeah. 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 I've been, I've been a lot of those same places that you're describing that, um, the, the, I think that bar cantina in Catavina is, uh, is pretty, uh, legendary. At the mission. Uh, in, yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, what contributed to the, uh, dehydration that day we got to El Rosario was the tequila we had at the mission in at that bar the night before <laughs> uh, and then and then to oh. be able to go back there years later as part of the Baja rally uh, which actually that's interesting where interesting enough where I met uh, Kira and Justin uh, you know mutual friends yeah 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 and well and Mao uh, so I met Mao through uh um, the Baja rally. I mean, he's kind of, a mis- they call him Mr. Baja, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he knows all the places down there. And, um, yeah, he, yeah, he's with, um, uh, oh shoot. What's the name of his, uh, lost in Baja is yeah. his company. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he, does there and he does really good stuff. But, but that was, that was such an amazing trip because, uh, it started off a whole series of these experiences that, you know, 
make you realize that places you go, they're never like you expected they would be, you know. And in many ways, mm-hmm. they're so much better than you ever thought or you ever imagined. You're like, I had no idea that Baja was this cool. And this mm-hmm. is such a well-kept secret. Um, you know, I joke that, yeah, you know, riding in Baja is so dangerous. And last time I went, they cut my head off twice, um, which is a joke. I still have my head. But, you know, the biggest dangers down there is just, you know, another car, you know, coming over the hill or around the corner or maybe a cow or a donkey in the road, you know. So we kind of yeah. keep it speed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's one of the liberating one of the liberating things down there is that there's no rules really, you know, like mm-hmm. you feel it's, it's, it's funny too. ironic that you feel much it is more free. Down it is like we we're from the land of the free and the home of the brave yet in many ways when you ride in Baja you realize how truly how truly free it is there. It's like wow, that's your mm-hmm. You know, you ride on the beach in Mexico and people smile and they wave. You know, and yeah. in, in the United States, they call 911. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> true story, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, so much for, for being on the podcast. Um, I, we're definitely going to have you on again. It's been wonderful chatting with you. And, and uh, yeah, thank, thank you for your time this evening. My pleasure. So when we're riding with another person, there's always that question of, do we use comms? Do we not use comms? Does it help? Is it a distraction? Does it take away from the ride? Does it add to the ride? Does it uh, create safety? And we're going to talk about some of those uh, questions with David, who is the brand manager for Uclear, uh, brand manager of North America. And we're going to talk about some of those issues and uh, dip into his vast knowledge on comms. So I'm here with the North American brand manager for Uclear Digital Helmet Audio and David, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nathan. Glad to be here. Um, I understand you have some questions about the new Uclear products, and I'm here to answer those questions. Yeah, just talk a little bit first about why comms in helmets are important. Like a lot of us have ridden and... Maybe people haven't experienced that. Talk about why they're important and what effect it has on your ride. Okay, yeah, that's no problem. Um, so when we look at what customers are asking for and why they want communication, comms, and other features that go with a product like ours, you're going to get about as many answers uh, as there are writers. However, we know the patterns and we know what ma- the majority of the people are looking for. And oddly enough, no matter what feature we put into the market, Still today, the number one thing that people are looking for is high quality sounding music. Um, Number two is gonna be the connectivity that you get by speaking with your fellow writers um, or on a phone call with that spouse or that office that you need to stay connected with while you're trying to squeeze in a ride. Um, Oddly enough, I fall in that same category. Uh, Years ago, before I worked for Uclear, I purchased a Uclear at my local Yamaha dealership um, because my wife is on call and needed to be able to get a hold of me if I took a motorcycle ride. So in order for me to be able to get my rides in and get my throttle therapy, I bought a Uclear so that she could reach me while I was riding. Eventually that led to me meeting someone from Uclear, becoming friends and, and me bothering them until they gave me a job and here I am today. Um, so, you know, like, like a lot of writers, there's one thing that draws me to comps. But then I discover there's a whole world of benefits um, with those comms. And, and some of that uh, additional things would be safety. So with Uclear, we like to say that we're all about communication, sound, and safety. We want to keep you connected. We want to make sure that you've got great audio and sound to listen to. And also safety features is one of the primary objectives of our comm systems. Um, primarily, number one is warning each other on a trail or on the road about any hazards, whether it be uh, anything from a speed trap to that log in the road or uh, a section on in the middle of hard pack that you come across, all of a sudden you got six inch deep sand, um, especially riding with new riders or children, nothing improves your safety in my opinion more than having the experienced rider be able to describe and coach. Um, the second one and specific to our motion infinity uh, system is the crash detection and, and, and alert system um, you know, that's going to, you know, that's a game changer. We've saved a lot of riders with that. And that 
the short story there, or the shortest way I can explain that is that if you have a significant impact, it detects that. And then, you know, if you're unable to respond or um, you, you, you basically you can't respond, it will send out a phone call, text message, email to your emergency contacts, letting them know what's going on and exactly what your GPS location is, a list of nearby hospitals. Um, that all happens at 30 seconds and there's no uh, subscription fee. Um, we chose to have no subscription for that because it's a part of our mission to improve rider safety with our products. Um, does that answer, you know, most of what you were looking for there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's a, I, I can imagine a peace of mind, you know, like being, being a dad and being a husband, you know, I, I can definitely feel, you know, how much they care about me and they worry about me. And, uh, yeah, having, having that peace of mind is, is, is one thing I, you know, when you were mentioning about giving a heads up for down the road, I was going to mention, uh, uh, checkpoints in Mexico would be on that, uh, <laughs> um, when we were down in Baja and, uh, <laughs> we want to give a heads up to the, the guys behind us, a military checkpoint up here, but, uh, yeah. There's just so many, there's countless situations. Uh, for me, you know, I, I live in Idaho. I would do a lot of off-road riding and I've got kids and kids, you know, tend to start off with off-road riding, you know, no license required. Um, so for me, I can tell you that my time at the track with my kids and my time riding some fairly technical trails in the mountains are significantly less stressful and safer by being able to just talk to them in a normal voice. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I re distinctly remember my father yelling, jump over that hill, jump over that hill as loud as he could yell. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And I face planted and just jacked up my face, the motorcycle, everything. And he ran over and said, didn't you hear me yelling? Do not try to jump over that hill. And that's just not what I heard. <laughs> okay. So with, with my son, I can see him heading directly at a mud bog full speed and i can say calvin mud bog slow down pick your line to say i can say it in a normal voice um these are just some of the examples where for me i have love for my own product it's changed and improved the way that we ride um some recent developments in helmet comms in general is going to be the mesh intercom that's the type of intercom where the system is constantly trying to reconfigure itself to keep you connected at all times and it automatically reconnects whenever you are back within range um, so that there's less fiddling and less worrying by the customer on how to stay connected. It's just doing it for you consistently. Um, we've seen Cardo and Senna, our main competitors, develop mesh intercom. And also Euclear has developed mesh intercom. We call it DynaMesh. It's slightly different. We based it on Bluetooth 5, and that gives us some more bandwidth and power and the ability to bring in other units that are non-mesh without losing our mesh network. But what that boils down to really is just ease of use and less fiddling around for the rider. It keeps you connected any way that it possibly can. Um, all of those things get into the, the ease of use, the connectivity just working better than it used to work. Um, and at this point, I know for us, we're moving into providing mesh intercom at lower and lower prices. In fact, this month, we launched a product in the Motion series that uh, delivers mesh intercom for four riders for $169. And so uh, riders will be interested to know that little by little, that, that mesh intercom that everybody wants, but typically costs you over $300, is becoming more common and less expensive to deliver to the market. Um, so for riders who are really shopping and they know the difference between those intercoms, that's good news for, uh, for the industry. Nice, nice. Well, great. Well, thank you for uh, being on the podcast, David, and uh, just for, you know, sharing your immense knowledge of comms with us. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you down the road. Thank you, Nathan. It's been a good time talking to you, and I look forward to seeing the review in your magazine. I've heard nothing about it yet. They didn't consult me in any way. So we're just as uh, anticipating reading that as anybody listening to this podcast. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, David. Okay, take care, Nathan. Take care. So the September-October issue of ADV Moto Magazine is out, and Justin is back here with me, and he's just going to give us a quick sneak peek on what you guys can find in the magazine this month. 
Yeah, hello. So, um, we've got a review of the KTM 390 Adventure, which has been uh, long awaited by many, many people. Um, there's been there's been reviews out um, already of the bike, but this one is, um, is pretty cool because it was done by Kira, who is um, of smaller stature, and um, I think, you know, it's it gives it a, a little bit better perspective for average riders or below average riders um, in terms of size to um, what they can expect from that bike. Um, I also had the chance to ride it and I, I kind of injected my little bit of my opinion but um, so that's in there. There's also a review of Garnier's uh, SG12 boots um, and a review of the new Moscow Moto uh, Reckless 80 liter revolvers and then there's a really cool ride report uh, by JM about um, a non-stop trip on the uh, backcountry discovery routes. Uh, he did all of the available backcountry discovery routes and kind of interconnected them and was able to tell us that tale of what he experienced along the way and um, how motorcycling and adventure motorcycling has changed over the years, uh, both with accessibility and then also with you know, the kind of people that are utilizing those trails, ATVs, UTVs, side-by-sides, whatever you want to call them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a peek behind the curtain of what's going on in the in the adventure motorcycling world. And all that is in the September-October issue of the magazine. Nice, nice. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, so um, wherever magazines are sold or online at adventuremotorcycle.com, uh, you can check out the issue. Thanks, Justin. Yep, thank you. So that wraps up this week's episode of ADV Moto Magazine Podcast. Thank you for joining me and taking the time out of your day to listen. Uh, Wherever podcasts are posted or YouTube videos, we do a video version of this as well, so you can listen there. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas for future episodes or future guests or topics, um, yeah, reach out to us at podcast at adventuremotorcycle.com. And um, on adventuremotorcycle.com, on the website, um, that's our official website for ADV Moto. And you can go on there and see show notes for this episode and past episodes, um, as well as subscribe to the magazine. So um, you can always get the print issues like the September, October one that we talked about, uh, wherever magazines are sold. Or um, if you subscribe on the website, you can get access to all the back issues, the back catalog as well, which is, is pretty cool. So thank you again. And as always, see you down the road.